that dad's right the next one i don't know if we're two weeks since our last one something like that something like that could be all right uh season four episode something yeah, I was, I was just thinking, remember when we used to keep track of the episode numbers and we had our... I still do when I publish it. Oh, do you? Yeah. Okay. So I know, I know what it is. I know it's... I'm pretty sure I started for... It might be season three episode something. Ah. I can't remember. We'll find out when we publish it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know it's the 64th overall episode. Or 63rd ah. or 64th. Cool, cool. At least that... That's not entirely true. It's the 64th one using this software. So we did a few before with the old software. So it's maybe number 70 now. Although I thought I moved more. I think we are at 64. Because I think that's yeah. what the... I think that's what the... Because we moved the first ones over when we changed providers. And I'm pretty sure that's what that's at as well. Oh, okay. But 60 something. Yeah, something like that. Between 64 and 70. Yeah, something like that. Great. Yeah. So the, the the inspiration of this one was I got a text from you because of the uh, bill that Quebec passed. Yeah, the or I don't know if they passed it yet, but they're planning to pass it. But the uh, health tax, right, is what the premier is calling it, which is is a misnomer. What do you mean? Right off the bat, the health tax. I guess you're not. I don't know, they're kind of taxing. Well, not really taxing the health, I guess. But anyway, sick tax. It's, yeah. So basically, it's just a tax that um, unvaccinated Quebecers will have to pay if they don't have any doses. If you get a first dose, you don't have to pay. So you don't even actually have to be fully vaccinated, just unvaccinated. Partially vaccinated, you don't have to pay. Um, no word yet on how much it's going to cost. Uh, how much what's going to cost? Sorry? Oh, how much the tax is, yeah. Yes. Um, uh, the Premier, Francois Legault, said he wanted it to be significant enough to act as an incentive to get vaccinated more than $50 or $100. Yeah, I mean that could be a hundred and one dollars, I guess. I, yeah, uh, it's a it's a slippery slope. I think it's a dangerous precedent. My, it is. I've gone so back and forth on this. My gut reaction was that um, it probably violates people's charter rights and is wrong. I may not agree with the unvaccinated. Oh, I should also mention just early on. Um, a medical exemption, like you have a medical reason not to be vaccinated, you would also be exempt from this tax. This is just for people who can get vaccinated, no problem, and are choosing not to. Right. Um, that should also be mentioned. And, and anytime I say, and I think probably anytime either of us say the unvaccinated, we mean people who are choosing not to get vaccinated, not people who have a valid medical reason not to get vaccinated. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, so that out of the way. Um, so yeah, my, that was my first gut reaction was that it's wrong, violates charter rights. I may not agree with the unvaccinated, but it is their choice. Um, and then I started to think about um, uh, sort of the reasons that Francois Legault gave for imposing this tax, which is that 
these this these people's choice is costing a lot of money for the government. It's denying a lot of the rest of us access to medical services. Like you see all these canceled surgeries um, and, and, and it's harder to get into the emergency room and it's harder to see a doctor and all of this because the hospital is just overwhelmed with COVID patients, the vast majority of which are unvaccinated. Is it still the vast majority of which are unvaccinated? Yes. And so the reason for this tax is these people's choices are are costing all of us both money and costing us access to the health service that we pay for, so they should have to pay more. And that kind of made sense to me because yes, we have a healthcare system where we all pay into it, even if we don't use it, but so that it's there when we use it. So you could argue they've already paid into it, but, but I think it gets a little changed by the fact that it's their choice that's, that's affecting it. Whereas most other things are not so much a choice, or even if they are, there's other mitigating factors. Like you could argue if you're being admitted to the hospital because of uh, uh, cancer you developed from smoking, well, that's a choice. Well, I should we have to pay for that? I would argue it's a little bit different because, um, you know, who knows why a person started smoking, be it peer pressure and a bad decision when they were young, or really a million other mitigating factors as opposed to just like, uh, well, I'm just decided to one day. And then it's an addiction and it's not easy to break. So I think that's slightly different than somebody who said, I'm not going to get vaccinated. There's no real surrounding other factors than that other than you're stupid. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just, it is a, I, I don't think it's a great idea because, yeah, I, some people did just pick up smoking. You know, uh, there's people that are in for, uh, what, I mean, you can do DNA tests now, genetic tests to see if you're predisposed, predisposed to various diseases. Do those people have to pay more? Well, even and, and- COVID. I had COVID. I didn't have to go to the hospital. Uh, so I have good genetics or I got lucky so I don't have to pay more. But then the people that do get it and then have to go to the hospital, they have to pay. So if an unvaccinated person gets it but doesn't have to go in, they have to pay. Just because you're unvaccinated, you you go through the whole thing. You don't get sick. You have to pay because you're unvaccinated. It's It's definitely... I agree. It is a slippery slope. And um, uh, and what happens with the next pandemic? Yeah. And I was never a hundred. I was never really a hundred percent on it, but what really I think has swung me back. Cause I, I was sitting there for a while, but I read this CBC article and what really swung me back um, was this, uh, this sort of chunk, just right at the end of the CBC article, I'll read it directly from. Um, 
Vardit Rivitsky, a professor in bioethics at the University de Montréal, said, from an ethical perspective, the province has yet to exhaust alternatives to increase the pressure on the unvaccinated. We still have not implemented vaccine passports for all non-essential services, she said. Uh, the pandemic has hit vulnerable and marginalized populations particularly hard, Rivitsky said, and some marginalized populations distrust the healthcare system and government for different reasons. Those who choose not to get the vaccine, that's not a homogenous problem. Some have historical reasons for having this hesitation. And it so happens that some of those who have historical reasons to distrust the government are also vulnerable from a socioeconomic perspective. So a flat fee that targets all these groups the same, I think, has a harder time respecting the principle of equity and justice compared to other measures the government could choose. And I think that has made me more firmly against uh, this this tax proposal. Yeah, I didn't even know they didn't have a vaccine passport. Of course. Yeah, I didn't know that like, either. I, I, that's definitely something that should be done before we even consider taxing. But no, they should absolutely have a vaccine passport. Yeah. I have no ethical problem of barring unvaccinated people from all non-essential services unless they have a medical exemption. Yeah, well, that's that's different. That's a that is a uh, it's not well, it's not essential, and you haven't paid for it already. Yeah, exactly, and that is why it is different, a hundred percent. Now, I understand um, absolutely. There are um, marginalized groups that have reasons to distrust the government and and vaccines and the healthcare system because. Horrible things have been done to them in the past to the healthcare system uh, where they've been lied to. So, you know, I can't pretend to know what living that history is like. Uh, so, absolutely. And I think we could probably be doing more to reach out to those groups and, and try to like explain and make them more comfortable with it. But still, for the public health, despite the fact that I, that hesitancy I can understand, as opposed to a hesitancy where I read something about mercury on Facebook, so I don't want to get it. That's just stupid. But, you know, the socioeconomic, historical hesitancy that comes from some marginalized groups, I understand that. Um, but still, for a public health perspective, I don't have, I, I think it's still fair to bar them from non-essential services and that should be the direction even going in that direction even harsher than other provinces has I think you can I think it can really be if it's not essential for you to be able to live life you can't go yeah there's no you don't need to go to restaurants or anything like that like yeah or the movie theater or anything to do with entertainment like you don't need to go to the bookstore basically you need to go to the grocery store, doctor's office, and like, you probably should be able to walk into a police office or a fire, whatever, like, just these things. But most places, you don't need to go. Yeah, I never really thought of it. You might need clothes. Um, yeah, everyone, yeah, but maybe like a monthly trip 
for last had one clothing. It starts. On. This is looking now a little bit hard to keep track of, but. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it's interesting. I, I, you know, I think it's definitely going to get challenged in court, and yeah. I'd be surprised given given the Canadian. It'll probably go. It'll probably go to the Supreme Court. Well, I don't know if it'll go. To, maybe it'll get struck down before that. But um, it also court. it might and, just be a scare tactic as well, trying to get people like he maybe has no intention of passing it because it's just it's just not gonna it just doesn't work here. It's just not gonna yeah, work. We'll if it does go to the Supreme Court, it'll definitely get struck down given the Supreme Court's history in Canada. Um, but you know what? I wouldn't, given that it's Quebec, and especially given that it's the Francois Legault government, I would not be surprised if they used the notwithstanding clause, the stupidest part of our constitution. <laughs> it's a bit insane. Who was it that did a preemptive notwithstanding? Was that Ford? That Doug Ford. Yeah. Doug Ford, yeah. This is illegal, but we're going to do it anyway for five years. Yeah. And there's nothing anyone can say about it. Great. <laughs> Could you imagine? Not illegal, unconstitutional. Isn't that the? Is there a difference, really? Yeah, I think so. It's okay. It is legal because there's a law. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Okay. It's unconstitutional. We're gonna do it anyway. Could you imagine the state that the United States would be in right now if they had something like that? <laughs> well, but each, to be fair, well, they do. Each state has their as much power almost as that notwithstanding clause has really i mean stuff does go to the supreme court and get overturned but each state finds ways around it within their own structure like you look at abortion the states that are anti-abortion made it a lot harder to get abortions even though it was legal than the states that were that that didn't care it wasn't yeah. this it wasn't the same across the country at all so they they kind of have enough power that you don't need the notwithstanding clause, whereas it, the provinces don't have the same sway. Thank God. But yeah. You true. should have a limit. Like, you know, you can only call a couple timeouts in a hockey game. You should have a limit <laughs> of notwithstanding clauses. Like, you just okay. get you just get to a decade <laughs> or something, That's right? All. That's all. You can't use it all the time. It feels like, well, what's the point of having a constitution if you're just gonna say, yeah, so? I suppose, I suppose, and we might have mentioned this before because we've talked about this before, but not in a while. I suppose it's possible that the voters can punish you for it if you really... The voters don't yeah. remember. Yeah, I don't remember what Doug Ford used the notwithstanding clause neither, on. Neither do I. I just remember, <laughs> I wasn't even sure it was him. I thought it was him. I wasn't sure. I don't remember what it was. It's probably because, like, when this clause was brought in, there was less that people knew about or needed to know about. There's just so much going on these days. and right, Even if there's not more going on, we see more of what's there's going on. There's more access to the information. Exactly. So I can't... I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened two weeks ago. Never mind two years ago when Doug Ford used the notwithstanding clause. Yeah. But things like that, that's how people stay in power over so long. Like, they just... Yeah. It matters what you did in the last three months. Forget about the first four and a half years. And then, 
if you're not in government, it doesn't matter what you did last time you got voted out. The fact that the provincial liberals are polling in second place in Ontario tells you that. Yeah. Historic defeat. And then four years later, people are like, eh, maybe we can give them government again. Like, what? What? It just, it shows to the lack of what people determine as the lack of an alternative. Yes, that's true. Although, I, I would think less people who swung NDP instead of Liberal last time, if they were really mad, would have swung back to Liberal already. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, it's the. You're frozen. Didn't hear that you said there. Oh, your your audio's crackly. Yours just was, but now it's back to normal. Okay, well I think we're good now. But I didn't hear what you said when you were um, drinking your water there. I said. Uh, I think you need to lean forward a bit because the audio was really bad there. Oh, okay. Is that better? Oh, no, that that didn't help. You still sound like a crackly robot. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, so, Um, go ahead. I just said that uh, we wouldn't have this problem if we had proportional representation. Yeah, absolutely. That's true, 100%. You know I'm for that. I agree. That makes sense and i don't yes yeah absolutely it's one of those things it's so logical i i don't know how it hasn't happened yet like i just don't get it well i i think it's i think it's um like why don't the people demand it well a lot of people a lot of people don't understand it i don't think um and then the conservatives and to a lesser extent but I would argue still the liberals I think have run such a campaign of even though the liberals ran on it I still think they ran you know Justin Trudeau argued so passionately against proportional representation when he talked about electoral reform um, that I think a large portion of the population um, has huge misnomers about it and uh you know like i think a lot of conservatives see it as a power grab from the left because they would never be in um a majority government again well nobody would ever be in a majority Um, government again uh yes i know that's the and that's the thing and that is i think why the liberals also are against it because they wouldn't be in a majority government ever again and so they have spun it in ways to make it seem either unfair um, or uh, overly complicated um, and anything like that. And admittedly, <clears throat> pardon me, admittedly, some of these systems, some proportional representation systems are more complicated than a first-past-the-post system that we have, but it's not more complicated for the voter. It's just more complicated for Elections Canada. 
but I'm okay with that. We pay them to be smart and figure that stuff out. Yeah, and it's not that complicated, I don't like, think. Oh, like, yeah, and it's not overtly It's not like nobody does it. You don't... on the system. You don't need to reinvent the wheel here. Yeah, there's... There's plenty of countries that do it yeah, already. Yeah, we can very easily... Yeah, most countries. Most countries use a proportional representation system. And the other thing is... And the citizens of those countries... Sorry, no, I was just going to say the other thing is the... Uh, the the liberals are i mean to me they're i get the pcs not wanting it because they're either in power or they're not um there isn't a lot of other right choices like right politically right um so they would always be uh you know the bridesmaid like for i you can hardly ever see them they're not going to form with the NDP. The only chance would be forming with the Liberals to make a government or something, and that's not going to happen. So, when, or the Bloc, and yeah. then you know what I mean. Like they would probably never form government again. The Liberals will probably have the most seats of the other groups. They could be like Andrea Merkel. They could be government for life with uh, proportional representation. They'll be the biggest yeah, group of all the lefts. I yeah, I would argue that. Um, I wouldn't say the conservatives would never be in government. I would say they'd rarely be in government. But with proportional representation, I hundred percent they would split into two parties, and the more center right party would honestly, the center right party of a proportional representation Canada where the conservatives have split would probably have more of a chance of government than the current conservatives have. Right 100%. 100%. Yep. Yeah. Because also the center-right could I, I could join are... with... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And, and you know what? I also wouldn't be surprised to see the liberals split into like center-liberals and left-wing liberals... Because there are liberals, they're not in cabinet and they're not prominent right now, but there are the liberals who support universal basic income, who support proportional representation, who support lowering the voting age to 16, who support pharmacare, who support all these things that linos. really they should be part of the NDP. They're linos. Liberal, <laughs> liberal in name only. I don't... I, yeah, I, I really don't understand how some of these people are in the Liberal Party when they advocate for things that are way more NDP that they seem to think they can advocate for within the Liberal Party and maybe get it one day. But why why try to change the Liberal Party into the NDP when the NDP is right there? <laughs> like, I don't understand. But Because um, well, they want to win their seat. I think... That's why. <laughs> I think that we will have proportional representation in the next 20 years. I think it's a growing movement. I think you can have I think you could have do some pretty serious damage in election running on that. Like I think well look at Justin on his first one and then he just didn't have to do it, but but I uh, 
you know, I think you can, I think you could do some serious damage with that as your main topic. That, that, I and I, I think most that and getting rid of O hip and A hip and Q hip and making it can hip. Yeah. You do those that, two things, so you that would definitely get a shot at getting elected. Yeah, I agree. People want bold promises. Um, <clears throat> I did, there were I did have other things. The Quebec tax is what tipped uh, it off. Um, I have other small things, but we're kind of circling my other big thing that I wanted to talk about because um, I've just noticed it so much, and I find it incredible in its hypocrisy and its attempt to do two things at once. And by it, I mean Aaron O'Toole. Um, he, I've seen so much recently, he's, he's really running a active uh, anti-Trudeau campaign, which, sure, he's the leader of the opposition, kind of his job. Um, but I think it's very funny, some of the stuff that he's come out saying, because it's just, and I mean, it always is, and politics is always kind of like this, but this just feels so cherry-picked. Um, and the first thing, one of the, one of the big things they've been putting out, um, and I shouldn't say just Aaron O'Toole, but also the Conservative Party, but it's like uh, Trudeau failed, and then the graph says, like, Canadians isolated, Canadians got vaccinated. It was Trudeau that failed or something like that. And I just, when I see something like that, I always think like, sure, yeah, most Canadians got vaccinated, but shall we talk about the political alignment of those who don't? Should we talk about which party has the highest caucus that of unvaccinated people and the highest amount of MPs who have come out against vaccines or who has the caucus defending the rights of the unvaccinated and stuff like that. Like, is that what he said? That is, he is the failed in getting party? Canadians... He failed in getting Canadians vaccinated? It's right here. Look at this. It's, it's a radio Can show. Canadians isolated. Canadians got vaccinated. Canadians sacrificed. Trudeau failed. Yeah, what did he then? What uh, that does? What did he fail? The, uh, Canadians, I guess. But in what on, way? On, on containing. Like, like how that just doesn't. Sorry? I know it's it's catchy, and I guess that's what they're going for. But is there an article that goes with that? What did he? You know, I think there are things he could have done better. You know, you you could have shut down airports a little bit sooner. You know, Americans are being encouraged not to come to Canada right now, but I haven't heard anything about us being encouraged not to go down to the States. Yeah, this is the caption he has with it, Aaron O'Toole. Justin Trudeau is normalizing lockdowns because he didn't do his job. Canadians deserve better than lockdowns and Zoom school. Enough is enough. Are you with me? Thumbs up emoji. Okay, now... 
that is a provincial decision, not federal. Isn't it? If lockdowns, they are a provincial decision. Isn't that interesting? And isn't it also interesting that like 75% of the premiers in the country right now are conservative? Yeah, well. <laughs> Alberta, conservative. Saskatchewan, conservative. Manitoba, conservative. Ontario, conservative. Quebec, conservative. New Brunswick, conservative. Prince Edward Island, conservative. Nova Scotia, conservative. That is eight of ten provinces. Yeah. That's Beastie has an NDP government. Newfoundland and Labrador has a liberal. And the Yukon has a liberal. And the other two territories have consensus governments. Yeah. Of 11 party systems, eight have conservative governments. And they're the ones deciding the lockdowns, but Aaron Matul is trying to pin it on Justin Trudeau, which is, like, I just, I hate seeing this. Yes, I'm biased. I'm part of the left. The conservatives are my least favorite major party, if you don't count the bloc, which you shouldn't on anything. Um, but the conservatives are my least favorite party. Um, but I just think there's so many legitimate honest things you could criticize justin trudeau on yeah oh yeah but that this like dishonest what so much that this dishonest deflection tactic is unnecessary but i think he just thinks it's easy and it's him trying to play to the right wing of his party and it's uh, it's 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 playing on you know a new variant too right like it's just yeah everybody's nobody wants to be quarantined again nobody wants to, and people don't think about uh wait a minute it's not justin that said i couldn't go to my hockey game or the movies it's uh doug ford so you know the only thing yeah. that maybe as far as that goes is you know travel like lock down the travel a bit more but i think i don't know how much yeah oddly enough how much that does but but yeah it's it's well and then it's you know, you're right. And you're right. I mean, if you look at Ontario, it's a conservative government. And we're in a lockdown. So. Yeah. And and then he's also like the other accusation he's made. He's accusing Justin Trudeau of normalizing lockdowns. A, what does that mean? B, as we discussed, it's not him. And C, okay, Mr. Opposition, Mr. Government in waiting, what would you prefer? Variants going wild. What should we do if we're not going to lock down? Yeah, and it's not as like, it's not like the it's not the the lock lockdown. It's it's like lockdown light compared to the last lockdown. I arguably it should be more of a lockdown. Um, but I I, I find it on on disingenuous, and then we come hundred percent. But that's again, not new, you know. Um, no. And then he's talking about it's time to accommodate the unvaccinated. Uh, no, I don't. I, I no, no, I don't want to accommodate your ill-informed bad choice. I don't know what that means exactly. Like, accommodate how? It, well, that's and again, he's vying for that People's Party vote. Um, accommodation. Uh, there are, so, yeah, it's a common, you I have the right, what that means. you have the right not to get vaccinated. You're absolutely right. You know, there you go. Don't get vaccinated. That's fine. Nobody's upset with you. Knock yourself out. You know, 
homeschool your kids and not, not that there's anything wrong with homeschooling your kids i shouldn't lump that in there but but uh you know what i mean like you're not gonna it's just there are consequences to choices and and i don't think one of those consequences yeah, should be a tax but it does mean that you you know you can't wander around um in places where there might be uh, lots of people yeah absolutely so i don't know accommodate the unvaccinated i don't know what that means i don't it, it just sounds like a bad idea it's uh, you know what i don't even think aaron o'toole knows what it means i think it is just a, a ploy for support like you know if you look um, at it like like smoking you know what i mean we went from you could smoke anywhere in the restaurant to to you could had to smoke in the smoking section to you can't smoke in restaurants go outside because your smoke gets everywhere and not everybody wants to smell it right yeah it's exactly. a similar sort of thing yeah if you want to smoke that's fine do it on your own if you don't want to get vaccinated that's fine absolutely do it on your own yeah and then this is this is something that Aaron O'Toole said recently, and I thought it was very interesting. I think it it really compacts what he's trying to do with the Conservative Party in a great way. He said, Canada's Conservatives want to see an end to lockdowns, restrictions to your liberty, presumably an end to lockdowns, restrictions. They don't want to see restrictions on your liberty. They want an end of restrictions on your liberty, but it's poorly phrased. End to lockdowns, restrictions to your liberty, and the ongoing impact on the mental wellness of our society. And I think that's very interesting because it's like the end to lockdowns and the end to the restrictions on your liberty is like really playing to the right. But then I'm also gonna play to the center to try to appeal to more people by mentioning mental wellness. Yeah. And I think it's really funny. It, it probably has more to do with like the actual highlighted things, but I think it's really funny. You can't see this you can see, but obviously listeners yeah. can't see this like graph, um, how uh, graph, it's like an image with the quote on it. That's a, and the word Liberty is huge. Yeah. Sorry. But it's, but if you just read sort of the highlighted, Liberty. it's end to lockdowns, Liberty and mental wellness. You want to end lockdowns. Great. You want to <laughs> end Liberty? Nah. You want to end mental wellness? Huh? <laughs> what? I'm not sure who designed that, but he needs somebody new. Yeah, and then liberty, huge in the middle, and mental wellness at the bottom, and the smallest of all the highlighted parts. To be and fair, most letters. At the bottom. It, they wanted it on one line, and it's the most letters. No, I know, and I agree. I, I think that is why, but I still find it amusing. It is funny. Um, but the, so I, that's, yeah, that's, that's a bad graphic. There is, I think, you know what? I think there's a really, really case, a good case to be made that the lockdowns do more harm to, in in a lot of cases than good for the the mental well-being of especially students. Yeah, I don't think the conservatives are the people to make that case though. No, they're hopping on a bandwagon, but I don't think they can do that. Yeah. No. And the other thing, well sorry, two more things. He also um the conservative party released this other post where they were talking about how 
the premiers are calling for more health funding and they accuse Justin Trudeau of not providing it. Um, and again, okay, let's look at this. Do you mean the majority conservative premiers, the ones who came into power one or two years before the pandemic, fired tens of thousands of nurses and then slashed healthcare funding, reducing capacity, and then we got slammed with the pandemic and now suddenly they're like, oh my gosh, the hospitals, we don't have enough people. I mean, those premiers, the ones who like the first thing they did when they came to power is cut healthcare funding. They're now going to the federal government and saying, give us more money. No, screw you. The problem with that is it doesn't screw them. They they get fine health care. It's it screws yeah. the people of the province. Yeah, absolutely. So, you, I mean, ultimately, they're going to have to pay it, but. I, I know where you're coming from. Your definitely gut re- reaction is no. If you want, if you're, if you're, if your residents want healthcare, they're gonna have to move. <laughs> but, yeah. but uh, you, you can't do that. No, you can't. But then, but the other thing is, it's very, and this is, you know, in general, the right is better at marketing itself than the left. I, I think, I find. I but you know, if you're gonna do that. You got to make sure people are aware who where the money's coming from. Yeah, I agree. Like this is and and don't let them forget. That's the worst thing. Everybody forgets. This is what happened. These people got hired before the pandemic. Healthcare was cut. Who do you think restored the funding to the healthcare? Not yeah. them. They didn't have the money. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And it it, and, it, and it pisses me off so much that it's the conservatives who are benefiting from this type of... Uh, uh, it's marketing. Marketing, yeah, exactly. And so is Aaron O'Toole going to go in during Ontario's provincial election in June and say, uh, you know, I can only support Doug Ford if he increases the healthcare funding? Is that going to happen? <laughs> is, if he restores his cuts? Because Aaron O'Toole cares so much about the healthcare funding in the provinces, apparently. Well, as long as it's Justin that gives Doug Ford the money and it doesn't come out of the other budgets. Exactly. And then the last thing that I saw him attack on today that I thought, or recently that I thought was just ridiculous was he said that Canada-U.S. relations have never been at a worse point. Oh, I can think of a a time they were. Not that long ago. Not that long ago. Yeah. No, really. Not that long ago. Quite recently. <laughs> quite, quite recently. Like, I would argue there are many times throughout history, like when Reagan tried to get the International Bank to punish us for starting to do business with China, or when LBJ wanted us to go to Vietnam and Lester B. Pearson said no. I would say both those instances were also bad, but I can think of one even more recently when they were worse. Quite recently, actually. Yeah. So, sorry, Aaron. No. Well, it, it was rough in 1812 as well. Yes. Also, 18. Well, we weren't really a country yet, but still, yes, no. Not great. Not great in 1812. Um, so, yeah, that's wrong. Yeah, that's fair. We, Canada wasn't Canada technically at that point. We were upper and lower Canada, but it wasn't Canada. Yeah, there were Canadas. Yes. Um, and now here's something also. No, this doesn't actually be tool, but this is something that is incredibly stupid. Alberta enacted a health order January 3rd, 
that allows certain workers, if they're defined as necessary to the running of a business, to go to work with COVID. Wow. And here's the kicker. Employers get to decide who qualifies and who is necessary to come back with no oversight by the government. Well, I mean, they, the government can't really oversight, but why would you want... Why would you... I mean, I guess if you had 100%, it's, I mean, it's super dangerous, but I guess if you had 100% vaccination at your workforce... You know, if 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 uh, at some point, you know, we're probably going to have to go to that where it's treated like other things where you're sort of encouraged to stay home when you're sick, but everybody goes to work sick. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I just... There is no application process for the exemption and return to work plans will not be reviewed by any government department. There's no list of eligible sectors. It's well, just well, the other, everyone. The, the, I get what they're trying to do, but it's just set up to be abused too by the people that are running the companies. Like the, the just the bosses, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I can go to work. Yeah. Like, and to be honest, with, when I had COVID... Uh, I wouldn't have been going to work. I but like, I was in I could barely like, I was in bed for three days. What if, what if you're in a job where you don't get like if if they're not required essentially to give you a day off because you have COVID? What if you're in a job where you don't get sick days or something anything like that? Like. It just, I, I, I can only see this being abused by companies. Yeah, I don't, uh, it, it, it might, I do agree it eventually will get there. I'm not sure it's there yet. Like, just like, be- Workers yeah. deemed essential are only allowed to leave isolation to complete their job duties. That's well and good. How are they what getting to work? To work? Yeah, how are they getting to work? Yeah. So I just said, or, yeah. or the train. Yeah. Or anything like that. A cab. Like, any way, any way you get to work other than driving yourself. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna come into contact with people, and also just leave your germs for the people to come into even after you're gone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, if you're dealing with customers. Yeah. Like uh. Uh, but the same can be said for people that go to work with the flu and a cold. And you know what? The flu, if uh, if if the wrong person catches it, it can kill them. I, I, yeah. I, I understand, but I still think we're not quite there yet. I mean, there's an argument to be made that if you have the flu, you shouldn't have to go to work. Oh, yeah. No, I think it depends on your employer. Some some employers, you know, just sort of accept it. I think, well, the other thing I think, and I, this is off topic, but if you, you get, whatever, let's say you get 10 sick days a year, right? Yeah. Stop calling them sick days. Just stop calling them sick days. You get 10, 
whatever, personal days a year. And then people don't have to lie. And if they're actually sick, then they can stay home that they're sick. And if you use them up, and then you get, if you use them up for other things, and then you get sick, then you don't get paid. But that's on you for using them up before you got sick. But yeah. other than that, you get 10 personal days a year. Because it, it, it just, it just I, I think that's a better idea for a company. It just encourage calling them sick days in, is just encouraging your employees to lie to you. <coughs> yeah. I can't come in. <laughs> What's well, the, what's the point of that? To be, I think there's a legitimate argument for like a mental health day. Exactly. No, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Just call them personal days. Take 10 days, whatever you want, whatever it is, whatever number is, 12, 10, 8, yeah. like whatever it is. Just stop calling yeah. them sick days. Yeah, I agree. And I also think, I, I think. Although if you get COVID and you're out for two weeks and uh, 10 days doesn't cover it. <laughs> yeah well again i think we should make yeah you know covid makes things different but i think that I, I think every worker should use every single one of their 10 days i think that's that's they're almost part of your i don't know i, I think like it's part of your right it's part of how you get through the year and use them or or, or have the option to be paid out for them if you if, yeah, you, oh. if you go through without being sick or you know some sort of you know, no sick bonus or something. It's it's it just makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Anyway, those are my, those are the big things we want to talk about. I do have a few other small things. Just uh, you know, get some stories out of the way that so we don't have to cover them next time. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, I thought this one was interesting. I'll go through Canada and then I'll go to the rest of the world. Um. I thought this was interesting. Doug Ford. His like government-sanctioned polling that's like polling of the people done by cabinet essentially or paid for by cabinet um this the headline is shows shifting views of ontario's covid19 response and uh yes it does and it doesn't bode well just before an election october 31st this poll this poll was taken october 31st through november 5th um of 2020 right back at the beginning yes oh, that's yeah. not really the beginning that's like six months in or something but yeah yeah but of, of 2020 it says of the people polled 51 percent of respondents said the government was doing an excellent or good job handling the pandemic yeah i remember being surprised at the beginning with doug that it was decent, yeah. While 33% said they were doing a fair job, which is probably where I would have rated it. I would have said either fair, maybe good, depending on what had just happened. That's 84%. Um, sorry? So that's 84% that is fair, good, or excellent. Yeah, and then only 16% said poor or very poor. April 27th, through May 3rd, 2021, 29% of people said fair, which is not much of a change from the 33, little decrease, but not much of a change. And so reminder, 51% said excellent or good in 2020. November, yeah. April, 2021, the percentage of people who said excellent or good, 19 that's a big drop. 
And the people who said poor or very poor, 51. Oh, just swapped, pretty much. Pretty much, yep. Total reversal. 51% of people said poor or very poor. That's not great, and it especially sucks when it's the cabinet's own. Still a year ago. After that, they just stopped polling. We're like, we don't want to know. <laughs> After that, they're like, yeah. Let's yeah, not do another one. <laughs> this isn't going the way we want. <laughs> it's the it's the Trump it's the Trump theory. If we just stop testing, then we'll have little. No, we'll have no cases. Just no cases. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, it's not. Yeah, it's not great. Um. So it's interesting. I think it's very possible that come the Ontario election in June, um, the Conservatives will win the most seats with a minority, and the Liberals and the NDP will win a similar number of seats as each other, Mm. creating, I would say the strongest possibility Ontario's ever had of a potential coalition government. Right, where where it's not just uh, a few seats where you're bolstering, it's actually like yeah, group exactly. leadership. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not like it's not like what happens sometimes with like in the Yukon right now, the Liberals are governing with the support of the NDP, but like the NDP has three seats and the Liberals have eighteen. Yeah, like that's not there's a there's a there's not a great it's not like the NDP can say like no we demand to be in the coalition it's like you're barely anything but if the liberals and the NDP whoever has whoever has the slightly more seats it doesn't actually matter the other one will be in a strong position to be like we are we have equal as much of a mandate to govern as you do we're not just going to be the support here we want cabinet seats yeah and I, I and and neither of them is going to support Doug Ford. Yeah, no, no. Like, absolutely not. And I don't think either of them would be willing to just plunge the country into, or the province into another election within three, four months because of, A, that's never popular, but also COVID. Yeah. So I think it will be the strongest situation ever in Ontario's history for a coalition government. And I, I, I think it's possible. I think we could see it. And something like that might lead to a proportional representation for Ontario. It'd be interesting to see a province go to it before the country did. Well, I, I think that's not entirely improbable. Like, that's what happened with free health care, and that's what kicked off the rest of the country doing it. So I, I really think if one major province... It's proportional representation. It'll spread like wildfire, and we'll have it. So I think this 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 June election is going to be very interesting. You think it's the NDP is going to get that much seat, that many seats? The way they're polling right now, they're they're like the polls show them um, two either two points ahead or two points behind the Liberals. Who is the leader? Andrea Horwath or whatever her name is. Yeah, I would say she's probably their biggest liability at the moment. Um, but she's still leader, yeah. Right. But she has the name and face recognition that Stephen Del Duca, the leader of the Liberals, does not. Sure. 
I had to struggle <laughs> for her name. I wasn't sure it was her, but I guess so. Well, did you know who the leader of the liberals was? No. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I might have got there because I think we talked about it not too long ago, but yeah. I would have, it would have required some thinking. Yeah, but like Stephen L. Duke, he's not an MLA or MPP. I was going to say, no, he's definitely not an MLA. No, he's not an MPP currently. Like, nobody knows who he is. And I think, you know, we talk about the people willing to forgive the liberals, but I still think there are a large number of people angry at the liberals from four years ago. Right. Definitely, definitely a lot of people have seemed to have forgiven them because they're up to polling around 23 to 27%, down from the, like, two people who voted for them last time. Yeah, I don't know. The NDP always tends to look like they're polling well, and then when it comes right down to it, never really get a lot of seats. But we'll see. Except for that one time they won. And and I wouldn't be surprised if they won fewer seats than the Liberals, but I still think it will be... You know, once you also take into the fact that they're the um, official opposition right now, so they're covering uh, quite a few seats, like 40-something, I think, and then the fact that the incumbency always helps anywhere so i think that'll bolster them in a few places um i think that they'll be able to hang on to more seats than they would in a typical election where they were just coming from a third party standpoint right um but 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 i still think it's very possible they win fewer seats than the liberals but i think it will be a similar number but then again this is comes down to what i you know i'm I'm just going to call it marketing again there's nothing else you hear a lot from Doug Ford right now. I don't hear a lot from either of the other parties. Like I don't hear a lot of opposition from the NDP about any of this right now. Nothing. Yeah, I, I see a lot, but I think that's... Um, if you go searching for it, but it's not out there. Yeah, and I follow them on, on, on Facebook and stuff, but you don't see them a lot in the news or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, and they gotta <laughs> they got to get out there. Yeah. If they want to have a shot in this next election, like I said, you know... I barely yeah. remember Andrea Hor. I don't know her last name. Horath, Horath. Yep. Something. Yeah. Horath. And then the Steve guy, you know, don't couldn't <laughs> pick him out of a lineup. Don't know what he looks like. <laughs> yeah. They got to get out there. You got to market yourself. It's not just politics are nice, but if you don't have the spin, you're not going to win. Yeah. So we'll. Uh... We'll see how it goes in June. Who knows? Lots could happen between now and June. Oh, lots will happen. Sorry? Lots will happen. Yes. <laughs> Doug Ford could have a huge spike in popularity. He could have a huge dip. Um, Andrea Horrath might kick the election machine into action early, and we'll see a lot more of her. She might fade in the distance, and maybe Stephen Del Duca will do something amazing. Who knows? Yeah. But... Kids are going back to school. That's my, that, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if that's part of the reason kids are going back to school on Monday. Because of the election coming in June? Yeah. I guess it's a little early, but, you know, he can't, it'll be, it would be held against him. Yeah. It'll, it, it'll be an interesting election. I don't see either party just beating the conservatives in number of seats. Um, I can see an outcome where the conservatives stay in power with the majority. I don't see an outcome where the conservatives gain seats. 
because they could lose seats and stay in a majority. They're not like at a razor thin margin right now. They have a pretty comfortable majority. They could lose seats and maintain a majority. I could see that happening, but I don't. But I think no matter what, they will outperform the other two parties, even if they get reduced to a minority. Right. Um, there's just no. There's not a strong enough appetite for the liberals to come back right now, and incumbency. People still hate Bob Ray. And sorry. People still hate Bob Ray. Yeah, people still hate Bob Ray, and the NDP doesn't have a great uh, commercial machine. Um, so I think Bob Ray's a liberal, people. <laughs> he literally... He wasn't was when he ran the province. <laughs> I know, but like, you have to think his views probably haven't changed that much. He just found his real... Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to say the least. Uh I'm looking forward to it. I really, my ideal outcome right now would be, my ideal potentially realistic would be that potential coalition situation that I mentioned. That would be awesome. I would love to see that because I think it would absolutely change Ontario politics forever. Yeah, yeah, I'll see. Yeah, because we've never had a coalition government before. No, not not really. It's like you said, it's it's, it's uh, just propping them up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We have not had, there might have actually, there might have been a province that had a proper coalition. I, I can't think of it exactly, but it doesn't really happen with first past the post. So. Because you don't need it to most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. It was a huge deal in the United Kingdom, which also uses first-past-the-post, in the uh, early 2010s, I think, when the Conservatives entered into a, there, entered into a coalition government with the Liberal Democrats, that was, I think, the first ever coalition in British history, and their parliament's been around forever. Long time. Yeah, so... Anyway, next thing... Um, and this is a bit of a complicated story, but I think it's important and also not in any way shocking. Um, the headline is, Survey finds oil sands environmental monitoring ineffective after 10 years. Who could have guessed? Um, and then like the first paragraph, Alberta doesn't have a good grasp of the overall environmental impacts of the oil sands a decade after implementing monitoring that was supposed to provide it internal government documents suggests. Well, no shit. Like, we know. I could have I guessed that. If somebody came up to me and said, before I'd read the story, do you think Alberta has effective, proper oversight over the environmental impact of its oil sands? I would say no. number of those years were NDP run. Four of them. Four of the past ten years, yeah. Um, it. Uh, That's almost yeah, almost half. Scientists, sorry? Almost half. Almost half, yeah. No, I, I'm, I make no excuses for that. Um, I, I, uh, surveyed uh, Alberta Environment and Parks 
surveyed uh, scientists and other participants in the program, a joint federal-provincial program that has run under various names since 2012 and is funded annually by a $50 million levy from the industry. Um, many expressed concerns from a lack of overall direction to poor communication to an arbitrary and inadequate funding cap being gradually nibbled away by inflation. Um, the fact that the funding hasn't changed since 2012, but with inflation, it's nearly a 9% cut of funding. And there's no independent analysis that ever suggested $50 million was enough. Crucial questions going unanswered. Um, the 50 million sure sounds like enough. Sorry? 50 million sure sounds like it should be enough. On hopes. Like, ha- uh, if there's only 12 months in a year. Right? <laughs> well, I don't know how big this is. One, one hopes 50 million is enough, but I don't know. Um, despite the fact that wetlands cover about a quarter of the oil sands area, funding for wetlands research was more than halved in the 2021 2022 budget after being cut by two thirds in the previous year. Terrestrial monitoring, which looks into the status of plants and animals, was cut by two-thirds for the coming year after a 50% cut last year. And the network said no research has been funded into the risk posed by industry's toxic tailing spawns. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, I would, I mean, I don't know these things, but who's running it? Uh, How much was their salary cut the year that those... Uh, funding programs got cut how much do they make how much do the scientists make like i don't i'm, I'm saying maybe I, I don't i'm not saying the scientists should be making less but do they make you know what i mean as, as does the guy running it make 10 million a year 5 million a year like a ceo of i don't know i have no idea but yeah i don't know either and this doesn't this article doesn't say that it seems to me that like the people who quote unquote are running it would be the government. Like, well, yeah, but the government never actually, like, it's not like somebody on, like, they will have hired somebody to do it. Yes, and there's probably like a chief scientist. Some sort of consulting I, I, I firm or something. They will have, yeah, they would have outsourced it. Like, uh, yeah, likely. I, I doubt, I doubt that whoever that is, whoever the, you know, chief scientist or whoever is. I doubt they control the funding cuts. I think that's probably the government saying this is how much money we're giving you. Well, if they're giving them fifty million, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I could. You need to look. If you want to really understand the issue, then you need to look into that. Are they given fifty million every year, and then the person running it decides where that goes? Because if you're cutting things by half and thirds and stuff, that's a lot of fifty million. Like they obviously aren't getting fifty million anymore. Yeah. So if they're still getting fifty million, where is the money going? Yeah, absolutely. I just, I, I, you read this article. Uh, it talks about arbitrary cuts um, to work plans or technical components that aren't based on science. There's it says there's lots of planning for things, but then no actual analysis or implementation. Um, the. the it, I just really think it speaks to a lot of what we see coming from government, which I think is, it's just for show. 
they can say we implemented an oversight to control the environmental impact of the oil sands. So they can say they did that, but if it's irrelevant, barely working, whatever, like they don't actually care. You know, yeah. it's not something they're working for. And that's, and that's yeah, I, I would agree. And that's like the right wing and the left wing that did that. That's not great. No, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. This is, I mean, uh, 10 years uh, joint uh, federal provincial, that is liberal and conservative governments and NDP and conservative governments in Alberta. Yeah. It's it's not great. Um, it, it's very disappointing to hear that from an NDP government. Uh, obviously disappointing, but not at all surprising to hear that from liberal and conservative governments. Um, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's disappointing. I'll be interested to see if anything changes there, if the NDP come back into power here. Uh, but we'll see. Um, moving over to BC, there are flood warnings for the Lower Mainland and Vancouver Island with uh, heavy, heavy rain predictions and rising temperatures in the forecast. Uh, and they're also facing wind warnings in the Vancouver and surrounding areas as in a continuation of the chain of extreme weather events driven by the climate crisis in BC. The only way they manage to put out their forest fires is when they get flooded. That's and, nature taking care of itself. <laughs> and I'm just like, Alberta's over here with Quebec complaining about how they're treated by the federal government. Like, there are provinces with real problems. Like BC, yeah. With this, yeah. Like, uh, what? Shut up, Alberta. Shut up, Quebec. Shut up. You're not on fire. Yeah. Literally, BC's literally on fire. That is a more imminent problem than speaking French. Yeah, on fire or underwater. Yeah, like it's just so such a what a privileged complaint of. We're French, so we're different, so you should treat us different. How dare you not? Or we have more dead dinosaurs decomposing in our ground, so you should be nicer to us. Shut up. I don't care. Some provinces are on fire or underwater. The same province. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I just, oh, my God. It, I can't. I can't believe it. Oh, um, I can believe it. Well, yes, I can believe it. But, like, honestly, like, people sometimes uh, drive me crazy. Um, uh, and then, okay, yeah, one more, one more good thing to end on under Canada, and then I'll have a few under the rest of the world. Um, 252 Afghani refugees arrived in Canada two days ago. Um, of those 252, they were all composed of human rights defenders, people from vulnerable populations like women and the LGBTQ community in Afghanistan, um, or those who worked with the military and government of Canada while in um, while in Afghanistan. That's great that they're here. K 
Canada plans to settle 250 human rights defenders every year. Um, I, that's good, I guess, because, you know, the Taliban can only kill 200 people a year. So we're saving fi- net 50. Every year, net 50. Yeah, every year, net 50. That's so, like, what do you mean we're going to settle 250? That's That feels like such a small number. And also, the Taliban, like, they're not working on a schedule. It can just, they can engage in wholesale slaughter in, like, a month. And then we have no one left to, re- like, it just doesn't feel urgent saying 250 people every year. That doesn't seem like a lot of people. No, we resettled like 20,000 Syrian refugees in one year. Like, what do you mean 250 a year? Come on. Really? Uh, I mean, I I don't know enough about it to say why that number was chosen. But it it feels low, especially... I mean, the people that were helping the government should have been all brought over as soon as we pulled it. Absolutely. But, and, and I would say we have a bit of a, a... I mean, we were over in Afghanistan screwing around for so long. I think we have a bit of a responsibility to the vulnerable populations as well. Uh, I, I would argue the United States has more of a responsibility, yeah. but we were there too. Yeah, I mean... Ultimately, as much as you do anywhere in the world, like there's no, I don't think there's extra responsibility there for that. They maybe no, got, I, maybe they got a little bit, maybe, maybe, maybe they would have been able to stay hidden or wouldn't have come out, uh, whatever as much if they were under that control all the time. Like, like, what do you think would have happened if we didn't come? They'd all be happy over there? If we, if we, no, no. we never were over there, they'd probably all be dead already. I'm not saying that's not, doesn't... But it, this isn't something that that us being there is a direct cause of. It's that religion or whatever, right? Well, not, not the religion, but the extreme take. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. They're, they're sect of the religion. Yeah, I'm not saying that religion in general, but their yeah their view of it, no. and that that that's not something that we didn't make that worse while we were over there. No, that's true. I, we we did you know prop up a ineffective, unstable government that fell the moment we left. Yeah, well, lots of issues, uh, but I'm just saying that particular community would have been trouble over there had we gone or not. And and yeah. I'm just my my immediate concern would be for the people that were helping the government. I'm not. And then in general around the world, there's lots of places where vulnerable communities need help. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll agree with you there. Um, speaking of all over the world, NATO's Secretary General warned the other day of the quote real risk of armed conflict in Europe over Ukraine, but said NATO will not allow Moscow to dictate the security arrangements of other countries. In the past week, Russia has amassed 100,000 troops on the Ukrainian border. Oh, fun. 
right? Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that fantastic? Um, but in the meantime, Kiev, capital of Ukraine, is... Make some good chicken? Re- refurbishing Cold War era bomb shelters for civilian use in case of Russian invasion. Refurbishing? So what are they from the what? 70s? Are they all shag carpet and disco balls? And they're just like... <laughs> well, they're from the Cold War. Yeah. No, they're like opening them back up and making them functional. Updating the CD collection. (laughs) They're getting rid of the CDs and installing uh, iPhone docs. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. The eight tracks Uh, are coming out. (laughs) So, yeah, that's, I mean, I, I feel like this is something more people should be aware of. The fact that there's, there's some like, Sedaten land stuff going on in Europe. Yeah, I think people uh, know. It's just, just uh, everybody has their own issues right now, so not a lot of people care. Yeah, there was a, there was meetings between NATO and Moscow, and both sides came out saying like there's significant differences that need to be bridged. Um, I, I think we've talked about this before, but. Uh, the longer we drag this out, I think the worse the situation will get. I think we should just absorb Ukraine into NATO, and then, and then Russia's not going to do anything about it. Like they're they're just not. Uh, they're probably not, not. Risk war with all of NATO. Probably not, but they might. They might. They might start a small war to see if, like, they're really in NATO or if it's just a. Eh, you're sort of in NATO. <laughs> well, they. I mean, I think if they're in NATO, they're in NATO. And if if Ukraine joined NATO and then was invaded by Russia, and then NATO didn't do anything, I think that would be the end of NATO. Because a ton of countries would just leave, like the Lithuanias of NATO yeah. would leave. Because they're like, well, you're obviously not going to do anything for us either, so screw you. No, no, we'll help you. You've been in longer. We just don't help the new guy. <laughs> like, I think if Ukraine's in there, like, have to do something. Whereas, Ukraine is... Hesitant. It's on the border. Is it the, the issue? I mean, it's always about money, right? So the issue is that a lot of the oil comes from there, or... They need the land to get their oil to the sea, or do you, do you know? Who does, Russia? Yeah, I'm just trying to think of the, is Ukraine, where is Ukraine? Or is it more Central Europe? No, Ukraine borders Russia. Well, I know, but where? Oh, Eastern Europe. To the to the sea, or is it is it full of oil? Like, why does Russia care? Will this make them the second biggest country? I think... Russia is the biggest country. No, I know, but if they lose, like, uh, yeah, they've already lost Ukraine. Ukraine. I, I think, I think, I don't know about resources and stuff. What Putin keeps quoting is like national security. They don't want NATO so close to their borders. Um, although, Lithuania, doesn't make Latvia, sense. And Estonia all border Russia as well. Um, I think Putin wants to restore like a Soviet era supremacy over Eastern Europe. Yeah, 
Well, and just and just to stop that alone, let them in. Yeah, exactly. Why not? Why not? I think we have to let them in. I understand if. if Plus, if 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 you I'm really sure. believe what you're preaching, and this country is saying we want in because we are a democracy and we believe in these values, then you have to let them in. Otherwise, yeah. NATO should disband anyway. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we've basically been telling Ukraine we'll let them in eventually since 2012 or something like that. Yeah, we'll let you in once there's no threat. Yeah, that's not quite how defense... Then uh, we don't want in? <laughs> like... Yeah. I mean, I understand that, like, if we don't let them in and then Russia invades, we can make the choice not to help them. But also, do we really want to start letting Russia just walk all over countries and become more powerful? Yeah. No, and, and it is a it's its own country. It's a sovereign nation. And uh, they obviously want to keep it that way. Yeah. So, you know, let them in. Yeah. Um uh in other dictatorship news, uh North Korea test fired a hypersonic ballistic missile that hit Mach 10. Um, was it aiming for Mach 10? I think it was. So uh, now who measured it? Was it the same people that, you know, tell you how great the uh, Supreme Leader is over there? Or was this measured independently? Was the, the South Koreans reported it. Okay. So independently a little bit. Yeah. And then Japan also is making a stink about it because they claim it landed in their um, exclusive economic zone, which is like their territorial waters outside North Korea's and in Japan's. And they want them to come get it? Who cares where it landed? Well, I, I just don't think Japan is happy about North Korea launching missiles into its territory. Well, is it, it wasn't a missile that went boom. No, but still, I wouldn't be would, like if 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 Russia just started dropping bombs along the north coast and not killing anyone or hitting anything important, I, I would still not want that. Yeah, I guess. Like, I, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. It's yeah, you're right. I I, I guess they maybe should have had better aim. They probably weren't thinking about where it was going to land. To be honest. If it's anything like yeah. some of their other major tests, they didn't know. <laughs> I think I it was know. likely more of a, we can hit you, just so you know. Then it wouldn't have been Japan, would it? I don't know. I think Japan is... the. I mean, because I would say it's the the West's closest ally to North Korea outside of South Korea, which they can obviously hit. Like, they don't need to prove that they can hit South Korea. Uh, I mean, could you shoot it the other way? At India? Yeah, go towards India, or go towards Egypt, or Israel. Japan's a closer ally to the U.S. than any of those countries. Israel? Well, maybe not than Israel, but Israel's much further away. Yeah. So they couldn't hit Israel. Probably not. At least not with a Mach 10 missile. Still, Mach 10's fast. 
That's the thing. That's the fastest Mach you can go. Isn't Mach just the speed of sound? Yeah. Well, why can't you go 11 times the speed of sound? I don't know. I just don't think we can yet. Hmm. I don't don't have any idea. I guess I don't either. 10 just seems like the end. (laughs) Turn it up to 11. You you ever... Have you seen Spinal Tap? No. <laughs> it's like our amp goes to 11. And the guy interviewing goes, well, why don't you just make 10 louder? <laughs> but it goes to 11. <laughs> no, I don't think, yeah, no, I don't. I, you can go mock to whatever, like what is light compared to sound? You can go mock what, that many times. You can't go light, but you can get pretty close to, as far as, like atoms travel the speed of close to the speed of light in in yeah. in those roundabout things that we make. Now maybe we can't shoot a missile that fast, but I don't know about Mach ten. Come on in here, be quiet. Sorry, just letting the dogs in. This is all going on the podcast now because I don't edit it anymore. <laughs> Come on, get in here, Chewy. Sorry, you can keep talking though. Okay. People are, otherwise, it's just a big gap. I really don't edit it. <laughs> I just dump it. They get the they get the full Monty. I think I read Moth Ten, but I think that that must have been a round up because what I'm googling is that the fastest plane. Now maybe it's different for missile, but this is saying the fastest plane just went Mach nine point six. Oh, was that the uh, SSTs? The X43A. Oh. Hmm. But that was in 2004. I don't know. Either way, it's fast. North Korea, I don't like it when they fire missiles. Yeah. It's not surprising, though. Oh, yeah. Here it is. 700 kilometers. It flew 700 kilometers at a maximum speed of around Mach 10. Around. Mach 5. <laughs> it's around 10. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah, then Japan is mad. It grounded some flights in the U.S. because they're nervous. They're jumpy. You thought it was just going to turn and hit a plane? In the U- U.S.? Yeah. So you're you're sitting on a plane in Chicago, and you're going to L.A., and they're like, Sorry. Somebody's shooting a missile from South Korea to Japan. We're not flying. <laughs> well, I think they didn't know where it was going. But even in Mach 10, you know, it's not, it's not going to come to the U.S. <laughs> and, I don't know. They're jumpy, Dad. They don't like when North Korea does things. All right. Uh, we've talked before on the show about uh, multiple times about stuff going on in Myanmar after the government overthrew, or the military overthrew the government there a while ago. And York University. And York York University professor didn't believe it was happening. Um, Anyway, so ousted Myanmar leader, uh, I can't say her name, um, but she was prime minister or president before the coup, um, was sentenced by a court to more to four more years in prison on Monday, after the court found her guilty of illegally importing and possessing walkie-talkies. 
and violating coronavirus restrictions. Walkie talkies are the coronavirus or two different things? Uh, two different things. Oh, okay. Does yeah, well, four years in prison, process? four years in prison for a walkie talkie seems reasonable. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, that's, the, uh, uh, I mean, they, they just want to keep her in jail. Yes. Um, she's already been sentenced to four would have been, years. Uh, could have been different. I was just going to say it could have been four years for looking too good, but it's a reference that you probably won't get. So. Yeah, no, I won't. It's an old Grecian um, formula commercial. Uh, um, but yeah, so she, uh, she's already been sentenced to four years um, for something else that was uh, then halved by the government, brought down to two years. However, these are just two of a series of charges that have been brought against her. And if she's found guilty on our charges, she could be sentenced to more than 100 years in prison. So really, having that four to two years probably looks good and merciful on the government's part, which is why they did it, but won't make much of a difference. Because I'm sure she will be found guilty on almost all of them. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure. Maybe one or two not guilty, just again to... Yeah. See, really, you don't need to put somebody in jail for 100 years. No, like, and she's like 60. That's what I'm saying. Like, Unless she's a baby. All of them and make it 50 years, and that's still the rest of her life. Yeah. But ultimately, if somebody takes over, they'll probably let her out. Oh yeah, if 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 the coup gets cooed or something, uncooed. Yeah. Um, massive protests happened in Kazakhstan over the past week. I don't know if you saw that. No, I did um, not. Yeah, huge protests that were uh, incited after a the Is, government lifted a cap on fuel prices and fuel shot up the price of fuel is kazakhstan um, part of nato no it's an ex-russian um, state right yes it is it was actually it was actually the last country to leave the soviet union it left after russia so there was a brief time where kazakhstan was the entire soviet union um uh so yeah anyway um fuel prices skyrocketed uh people started protesting those protests spread into wider discontent about the government, which is a dictatorship. They've had, they're on their second president since their independence. I don't know if you, the article said their independence from the Soviet Union. If they, they were the last one to leave. So I feel like it's not so much independence from the Soviet Union as since they stopped being the Soviet Union. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit like musical chairs, right? They were the one that didn't have a chair in the end. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, we're independent. <laughs> Yeah, it's not, not independent so much as they've changed the names. Um, anyway, so since their, quote, independence from the Soviet Union in 1991, um, they've had two presidents. It's a dictatorship. The current president is the handpicked successor of the last one, one-party rule. Um, so discontent. The protesters um, seized many government and public buildings, burned several of them to the ground, um, they actually controlled the international airport for a while. Protesters seized the airport. Um, but then the president of Kazakhstan uh, brought in Russian-led military forces. Russian-led? Yeah, they brought in the Russians. They're close with Russia. Um, and they, he gave orders for the military to um, 
shoot at protesters without warning. So after a week of massive protests, the, the government sort of regained control. Um, but it, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that control didn't stand because it was a big, it was a big display of, of people being able to push back against the government. Uh, it did result in 164 deaths, though, mostly civilian. Yeah, and if you're backed by Russia, you're probably yeah. pretty safe for a while. Yeah, we'll see. It's unfortunate. Um, and moving over to the area, this is just uh, stories about countries you don't hear a lot about. Over in Turkmenistan, the uh, president wants to extinguish the gates of hell. Do you know what the gates of hell are? Um, I'm going to go with no in this scenario. <laughs> uh so what happened was in 1971, a gas drilling collapsed in an area and formed a massive crater, which is 60 meters in diameter and 20 meters deep. Um, to, at the time, to prevent the spread of the gas, geologists set it on fire, expecting the gas to burn off in a few weeks. Um, it's still burning today. They were really? wrong. It's been more than... It's been more than a few weeks. It has been burning since 1971. So it is, it's an amazing site. You should Google it. It's just this massive crater that's on fire. It looks a little like the Eye of Sauron. In Derwiz. Um, sorry? In Derwiz or Dervaza? Dervaza gas uh, crater. In Turkmenistan. Yeah, but it's called the Dervaza gas, gas crater. Yeah. And but that seems like Turkmenistan small. could have been a really rich country. <laughs> like, this isn't a small... It is the Eye of Sauron. This isn't a small flame. No, no, it's huge. It's, it's incredible. And it's been burning for 50 years. Yeah. It feels like if they canned that oil, Turkmenistan could have had a lot more say in how the world sort of works right now. Yeah. Now, you probably have seen this, Dad, before, because in 2019, the president it was like, nobody would seen him in a while, so there was rumors that he was dead. Oh. And John Oliver covered this. Yeah. And he was doing donuts around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did like see that. Yeah. Wagon yeah. And an off-road truck. Yeah. It's hilarious. See, yeah. Um, but now his government has ordered, uh, sorry, the president has ordered his government to look for ways to put out the fire because it's causing economic damage, uh, ecological damage and affecting the health of people living in the area. The first 49 years were fine. <laughs> but now, <laughs> now we, got, we gotta stop it. It's really, I mean, it's an incredible sight. Just the pictures. It would be amazing to see it in person. I don't want to go to Turkmenistan. Um, it's not enough of a draw for me, but it would be amazing to see in person. It's it is it is the eye of Sauron. Yeah, that's amazing. No, it's that's incredible. I didn't uh, know that. It did, I think John Oliver maybe even mentioned it, but that is. Uh, I feel like yeah, that's just a huge mistake. Like, how do you not know that you don't? How do you not know how much gas is down there? Even in seventy one, like, we had some pretty good technology. Yeah, it really feels like they didn't. I mean, they were going for the gas, and then it collapsed. So I don't know if they're really in a position to get it 
anymore. But it does really feel like they guessed about how to get rid of it. Like, it feels like if they had even tried to measure it, there would be no way that they'd be so wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, it feels like... I thought it would burn for two weeks. It's burned for 2,000 weeks. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like... Oh, I forgot to carry the zero here. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it feels like somebody with a grade 11 science education. Like, they knew enough to know that this type of gas burns, and that gas burns relatively quickly. So they're like, so, if we light it on fire, I bet it will burn up quickly. Even though there's a lot of it, it'll probably burn fast. And that was the math that was done. This is probably the best case scenario, because the other, the other thing is like, it just explodes, right? <laughs> and it just like, wipes Turkmenistan completely off the map. Like, they're, aren't they lucky that didn't happen? It seems like it, yeah. Like, obviously, it's... they didn't do any proper... Like, they can't have. They just can't have actually tried to figure out how much gas was there, because I cannot believe they were 50 years off the mark. Yeah, and, and every year they must get more depressed. It's like, yeah, oh, the oh, there was that much gas. Oh, it's still <laughs> burning. Oh, man. Like, I can imagine after a decade, it's like, oh, we should have stopped this. I'm sure it'll only last another week or two. <laughs> Five years later. I think we should really stop this now and maybe try to get the gas. It's, it's got to be almost out now. It's like when you're waiting on hold. For somebody to answer. You get an hour, yeah. an hour and a half in. You don't want to hang up. You've been on the phone for an hour and a half. Yeah. you And and the fact that it doesn't even look like it's slowing down. Like, oh my God. Yeah. No, I'd still... I. He's right. Shut it off and get the gas out. Yeah. Put it out. Get a real big fire extinguisher. But I also or the Stay like, Puff Marshmallow Man. Let's see how long it'll go. Let's see <laughs> how long. How long will it burn? When will it actually die? Uh, they could, like, they could, they could probably raise almost as much money starting a pool, like a lottery, yes. on when it burns out. Bets on when the gates of hell burns out. Watch it like, like, like they've lined up everything they need to do to put it out. It's and just like fire, and yeah, it just dies. <laughs> 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 they spent, they spent millions of dollars on this massive plan to put it yeah. out. And then right before they execute it, it just dies. Yeah. That's, <laughs> uh, that seems like the natural... Like, for how this started, that feels like how it should end. That's, that's going to be how it ends. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, and then, very lastly... Um, Conservative Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Boris Johnson, admitted and apologized for attending a party at 10 Downing Street. And for those who don't know, that is both the Prime Minister's residence and his office. Um, In 2020, uh, despite COVID restrictions, he said he thought it was a work event and that he just went to thank the people working there, shake a few hands, and then he left but he should have sent everybody home. Um, bullshit. And also... <laughs> and also bullshit. Yeah. Like, what do you... You thought it was a work fit? What? <laughs> and that doesn't change anything. 
it doesn't matter if it was a work event or not. Are you the prime minister or not? It's not like it's not like you're an MP who was told to come by the prime minister. You're the prime minister. Doesn't he actually live at 10 Downing? That's what I also don't understand. I think so. So... <laughs> what? <laughs> What's that noise downstairs? <laughs> Somebody was having a party and he didn't get invited to it in his own house? <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand. Or did the Prime um, Minister move to like 11 Downing or something? <laughs> I think it might... It might. Imagine, imagine being the person living at 11 Downing, like, trying to eat dinner. Meanwhile, the Prime Minister's throwing a rager next door. <laughs> and you're just like, can't complain. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, this. It's, this says 10 Downing. Still. Oh, no. From 1997 and onwards, they've lived at 11 Downing. So... So he didn't have far to go to get to 10, but he was the neighbor that was complaining about the noise. It's still a party he didn't get invited to. Yeah. It's like, hey, isn't that the people at my old house? (laughs) Um, Anyway, so this, I mean, I think we talked before, like, his governments and him specifically are just being hit by scandal after scandal, mostly to do with the COVID restrictions and them just flouting them. Um. But this is many in his own party now. Obviously, the opposition is calling for him to resign, but that's their job. But many people in his own party are starting to call. Well, that's because he's not popular. If he was popular, they wouldn't care. Oh, yeah, no. But they are now. Um, the highest profile is the leader of the Scottish Conservatives um, has called for his resignation. How did he do it? But how did he call for his resignation? Yeah. yeah. My guess is unintelligibly. <laughs> so. I was hoping he'd do your accent. Like, ah, he's got to quit. That's more pirate than <laughs> Scottish, but... <laughs> Just completely... They, and really, the reporters are... They guessed. They yeah. assumed yeah, that's he what was calling for his resignation. They couldn't quite tell. We're pretty sure. They watched the closed captioning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. Um... We'll see if Boris Johnson managed to survive. Most people are saying, or most analysts are saying, he won't resign because that's not the type of person he is. He'll only get ousted. If he is going to not be prime minister anymore, he will be ousted. Um, So we'll see if that happens. Um, But they're not due for an election for another three years. Three, four years. Yeah. Because, you know, in the UK, the electoral term is six years and not four like the states have. Wow, I didn't. I thought it was. I didn't realize that. I thought we yeah, no. modeled on theirs. There, I, it's like loosely, but theirs is actually quite different. If you look at their entire, like we we say no, we have I, the Westminster system, yeah, and we have like the same sort of like House of Commons setup and stuff, but um, a lot of it's very different. MPs have a lot more freedom um, to criticize their own party and hammer their own government. Um, without consequence, yeah, which is like, good. If a liberal, which is good, if a liberal MP today stood up and criticized Justin Trudeau, they'd be out of the party in a blink of an eye. Um, but there's a lot more freedom there. They don't do debates in the same style we do, um, 
it, it's like it, it's it's more like people come out and make their pitch and then the next person comes out and makes their pitch it's very strange um they uh there there's no rules about decorum in the house people are just yelling all the time yeah that's awesome i like that part and i like that part too. makes for it's good tv dramatic. their c-span yeah. is way better than our c-span yeah um the title of right honorable which is something the prime minister gets and i think the government general gets in canada the title of right honorable gets doled out like crazy the prime minister gets it the leader of the opposition gets it a lot of cabinet ministers get it and then honorable gets handed out even more it's truly madness it is just like the actual functionality and the way they run it is very different even if at the base it's the same like constituency based first past the post electoral system with the house of commons and a second senate although they call it the house of lords yeah they call it the house um, of lords whereas that's a that's a hair salon over here i believe yeah although insanely like we talk about our senate is kind of stupid and insane the house of lords still has a significant portion of inherited seats yeah that's crazy it truly is well um, i i gotta go dill i have a bit to do before i gotta make some dinner so oh that's I mean, that was the last thing i had anyway all right we'll wrap it up there thanks um, for listening and we'll talk at you again next week